Welcome to Marrow Masters Season 3, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Jazz Pharmaceuticals, and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and families cope with the psychosocial challenges of bone marrow stem cell transplant from diagnosis through survivorship. This season of Marrow Masters focuses on the patient perspective and many needs regarding bone marrow and stem cell transplant. Here is your host, Executive Director of the NBMT Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome to Marrow Masters Patient Podcast Series, Season 3. Today we have Kathleen S. Graham, RNCHPN, the Regional Manager for one of the nation's largest hospice organizations and the CEO of CannabisNurse.com. Kathleen is also a partner with Leaf Medic, Michigan's first online vocational school to offer cannabis industry training. Kathleen will share her vast cannabis knowledge regarding pain management. Today, with laws differing so much state to state regarding the use of cannabis or CBD, it is very important that you learn the laws for your state. Hi, Kathleen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Pain management is such an important, timely topic. Many want to know if cannabis or CBD oil is worth discussing with their doctor and how to do so. Hi, Peggy. It's a pleasure to talk with you about this today. As we encourage open communication with your healthcare team about all complementary therapies you choose to use during your treatment, it is really imperative that you talk to your healthcare team about your decision to use CBD or cannabis simply because of the drug-to-drug interactions and toxicity that you can experience with those prescriptions. Not all doctors are comfortable with these discussions. However, we know that people still may choose to use these products even if their doctor is not recommending them. We know that about one in four transplant patients admit to using these products. It is our goal to educate you on the ways to best use these products. However, individual medical advice is best discussed between you and your provider. It is always best to be prepared with scientific facts, stats, and stories or evidence. Your research sources, a plan of what you hope to accomplish with your provider, What do you want your doctor to do? And a list of goals for your treatment. Thank you, Kathleen. What are some of the conditions cannabis is good at treating? Some of the common ailments are cancer, HIV or AIDS, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, PTSD, certain bowel diseases, autism, cerebral palsy, chronic pain, a wasting syndrome, severe nausea, seizures, and persistent muscle spasms. This is not a complete list, but it is a list that is most common in all of the states. Very good. Thank you so much. Kathleen, if a patient's healthcare team is not knowledgeable or comfortable with this discussion, which quite honestly can happen, where can patients turn to get reputable information, studies, or products? That is a good question, and it's uh, very relevant today because most medical professionals have not been educated about cannabis or the endocannabinoid system. So I would say look for your unbiased scientific avenues, and some of those are like CannabisNurse.com. There's American Cannabis Nurses Association. There's Cannabis Nurses Network, the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. There's Dr. Sulak. He is at Healer.com. Those are a few of the best resources that we know of to gather the information and spread it to the people that are interested. Great. Kathleen, what are the pros and cons of using cannabis versus CBD oil? And what about CBD isolates? 
Those are some really good questions, Peggy. Thank you for asking them. For every pro, there is a possible con. For example, cannabis is said to help manage anxiety or symptoms of PTSD. However, if one takes too much cannabis, it can cause anxiety and actually panic attacks. Also, if one with PTSD obtains a cannabis chemovar or strain that has a high pining content, it can actually cause the symptoms of PTSD to become worse. Cannabis is also known to increase your heart rate up to 50%. In a recent study published by Forensic Science International, this month it declared after exclusion of all other causes of death, we assumed that a young man experienced fatal cardiovascular complications invoked by smoking cannabis. These reports indicate that the need for education is paramount for the safety of the consumer. CBD is a great vasorelaxant. It can decrease blood pressure naturally, as well as stabilize blood sugar levels. CBD does not activate CB1 receptors in the brain and is devoid of psychotropic actions of THC, meaning it will not get you high. Indeed, CBD may antagonize the psychosis, associated with THC, meaning CBD decreases the effects of THC. The difference between cannabis oil and CBD oil is the amount of THC that is allowed. Hemp CBD oil is allowed to have 0.3% THC along with all other cannabinoids found in that particular plant. Cannabis oil has a lot more THC and is very little CBD. A research study suggested that 98% of cannabis has no CBD in it at all. CBD is found mostly in the hemp plant. CBD isolate is just that, only the CBD. This isolate does not have any other cannabinoids. CBD alone can work great at decreasing pain, inflammation, nausea, insomnia, and muscle spasms, as well as many other symptoms. CBD is the cannabinoid that has the most medicinal benefit. Also, CBD does not show on a drug screen test, as they usually do not test for CBD, only THC. When you use full-spectrum cannabis or hemp products, you are getting the most medicinal benefit as they all work well to balance each other and create the entourage effect. It is important to remember that if you use a full-spectrum hemp oil that you can fail a drug test, as these products do have the 0.3% THC. Well, that is interesting. Kathleen, what are the pros and cons of using the different forms, such as oil, edible, smoking, lotions, things like that? Yes, there are both pros and cons to the different methods of administration. Of course, smoking, the byproducts can cause serious diseases in a person. Vaping or dabbing can reduce those harmful byproducts by not combusting the product. However, inhaling is the fastest way to get cannabis into your body and is also the shortest lasting, meaning you have to use this method a lot more often to feel the medicinal benefits. Edibles or medibles take a lot longer to feel the effects, although the effects may last up to eight hours using this method. When you eat cannabis, it is important to remember that the Delta-9 THC converts to 11-hydroxy-THC, which is three to four times more potent and psychoactive. 11-hydroxy-THC passes through the blood-brain barrier easier, and that is good news for Parkinson's patients 
because they need that to pass through the blood-brain barrier. The sublingual method is the easiest to microdose and is often used by the pediatric patients the most. Topical products are not psychoactive and they work at the site where it is applied. Topical applications have a rapid onset of 5 to 15 minutes. We do want to make sure people understand that vaping is very dangerous and serious. So would you agree that there should be precautions with the vaping? I do. I think that you should weigh the risk and the benefits. And I also think that if you are going to use a vaping product like the vape pen, that you should get it from a licensed state store that has to go through rigorous testing. I believe that all of the vaping incidences occurred on the illegal black market and the products were not tested to verify the active ingredients. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay, so could any of these forms worsen symptoms? For example, could smoking marijuana aggravate mouth chronic graft-versus-host disease? Yes, it could. Medical marijuana may affect the effectiveness of medications taken to control graft-versus-host disease, as well as antidepressants and potentially antibiotics and antifungals. What we do know from our knowledge is that it does have some effect on post-transplant medications and or steroids. So many of the medications a patient might receive post-transplant, these agents may inhibit them and cause increased levels of the drug, which may result in toxicity. Also, it can inhibit our antidepressants, which would again increase our level of toxicity with those drugs. We can see some potential drug-to-drug interactions with our antibiotics, as well as our antifungals, which many transplant patients will receive. We do worry about these because things like the azoyls type of medications, many of the myosins, which are antibiotics, may be affected by cannabis or CBD simply because of the metabolism. Some studies suggest that marijuana may help in control of the graft versus host disease also. Okay. Kathleen, are there any concerns about infection in transplant patients who use marijuana? Yes, there are concerns about infection in transplant patients who use marijuana. From an infection standpoint, we do have concerns, especially with smoking marijuana in our patient population. We have concerns with fungal infections. There are some case reports out there looking at patients who are smoking marijuana or who have smoked marijuana or who are immunosuppressed post-transplant who have developed severe fungal infections and have died from those fungal infections. That may be a result of mold spores that may be contained in the buds that are smoked, as well as could be a result of an increase in inflammation and causing infection risk in their lungs. Again, when we have patients who are immunosuppressed, we have too few white blood cells. We really do advise them not to use smoked products. We really advise them instead to use edibles or tinctures of some other nature and to make sure it is from a licensed store that provides a lab-tested results. The retail stores are required by law to have products tested. If the product fails the test, it never makes it to the shelf. The caregiver or self-grower is not required to have their product tested so they may find contaminated cannabis, especially if it's grown outdoors. Microbe contamination of marijuana products is a concern because there's no standard manufacturing, so we worry about microbe contamination, just like we would worry about smoking those natural products with mold spores. We also worry about pesticide contamination from how the crops were raised. 
With that in our immunosuppressed patient population, this is a real concern because patients can be more susceptible to these types of toxicities. Then there's just an unmonitored chain supply. Again, with FDA-approved drugs, as they go through quality control, we do monitor where the drugs are, what temperature they are, and when they have been where. In this situation, there really is an unmonitored chain supply, so we do not know where there might be potential places for contamination to occur as the product is being prepared for patient use. So before we wrap this up today, Kathleen, do you have a particular story of a patient who benefited from the use of cannabis? I do remember I had a young lady that had a bone marrow transplant in her multitude of diseases that she had, and she was really hard to manage with her nausea and vomiting, even with all of the prescriptions that we had. And it took a while to talk to her parents and her family about her wish to try cannabis to see if it would help. And so I think it took a team approach to educate the entire family so she felt supported. And after she did try the cannabis, she did try the sublingual tincture, she felt a lot of relief. It really did help with her nausea and vomiting. It settled her stomach down where she was able to start eating again. And I think the biggest surprise was to her parents because they had come from a generation where there was so much propaganda that they received that they did not understand the medicinal value of it. Kathleen, is there anything else you'd like to add today as we talk about this very timely topic? As our nation continues to make new laws regarding cannabis, allowing safer access to pure, consistent cannabis products, there are more and more people curious about trying it. And our goal is for them to reduce the harm of unwanted side effects of cannabis and to improve their outcomes by providing scientific education. The last thing we want is for a patient to try cannabis and take too much of it and end up in dysphoria. Again, we also want to stress that with laws differing so much state to state regarding the use of cannabis or CBD, it is very important that individuals learn the laws from their state. We are also working with what is legal at the time of this recording, which is June 2020. Kathleen, any final words or thoughts? I would just like to say thank you, Peggy, for inviting me on here. And thank you to the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link for the opportunity to talk about cannabis education. This has been the Marrow Masters podcast. Feel free to share this episode via social media, text, or email. To hear more, subscribe for free to Marrow Masters in your favorite podcast app. To learn more about the resources available to patients and caregivers, check out the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link at nbmtlink.org. That's nbmtlink.org. Or just tap the link below in the show notes.